Well, good morning, Southeast Raleigh Table. It's good to be with you. My name is Greg Moore, and I serve as the director of New Faith Communities for the North Carolina Annual Conference. And uh, it's just a joy to, to be invited to be among friends and family uh, and to journey alongside you uh, in this work. Uh, our scripture reading appointed for this morning is the psalm for today. is Psalm 32. Happy is the one whose wrongdoing is forgiven, whose sin is covered over. The one the Lord doesn't count guilty, in whose spirit there is no dishonesty. That one is truly happy. When I kept quiet, my bones wore out. I was groaning all day long, every day, every night, because your hand was heavy upon me. My energy was sapped, as if in a summer drought. So I admitted my sin to you. I didn't conceal my guilt. I'll confess my sins to the Lord is what I said. Then you removed the guilt of my sin. That's why all the faithful should pray to you during troubled times. So that a great flood of water won't reach them. You are my secret hideout. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of rescue. I will instruct you and teach you about the direction you should go. I'll advise you and keep my eye on you. Don't be like some senseless horse or mule whose movement must be controlled with a bit and a bridle. Don't be anything like that. The pain of the wicked is severe, but faithful love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. You who are righteous... Rejoice in the Lord and be glad. All you whose hearts are right, sing out with joy. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, may I speak and may we hear in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, happy Lent, y'all. Is that not something y'all say? Y'all don't say happy Lent? I mean, fair enough. Uh, nobody says happy Lent. The term is sort of oxymoronic, don't you think? I mean, like, Merry Christmas, we got that. Happy Easter, yep, check, we do that. Uh, but happy Lent just kind of doesn't roll off the tongue. Just in case you didn't uh, notice or in case you came in after Lisa was welcoming us here, uh, today is the first Sunday in Lent, which means that last Wednesday, on Ash Wednesday, the church began its 40-day season of public misery. <laughs> it's that season where we go around uh, looking miserable, uh, confronting our sinfulness, right? Um, we, we confess together, uh, Lord, we have failed to be an obedient church. We're not worthy to gather up the crumbs underneath your table, we say during this season. Our heads cast down, our gaze averted to the floor. If you're really into Lent, you should be miserable. If you're really into misery, this is your time. <laughs> what are you giving up for Lent, we like to ask each other. Quietly judging who's the most pious based on who's willing to be the most miserable for Jesus. <laughs> it's a peculiar thing we humans do, isn't it? 
particularly we religious folks, it's a peculiar thing that we carry around, this notion that you're really getting it right when you're miserable. Psalm 32 begs to differ. The first word is happy. The last word is joy. It's worth noting that this is the first song the church mothers and fathers give us to sing on our Lenten journey. It's as if they knew us, left to our own devices, you and I would convert this season into a miserable time. Ashes still on our foreheads, we would get together and try and outsad each other for Jesus. We'd be singing in a minor key, and so the mothers and fathers open up the hymnal this morning and hand us Psalm 32. They convert us from misery to joy. Happy, says the psalmist. Joy, our song finishes today. It's worth remembering, brothers and sisters, that this Lenten journey ends in life, not in death. This journey is marked not by misery, but by joy. Happy is the one whose sins are forgiven. Sing out in joy. The task of Lent, y'all, to make it as simple as I can, the task of Lent is simply this. It's not to take on more religiosity so that we can become more miserable, but to put down those things that are killing us. The task of Lent is to cast out all those little joy stealers that have moved into our lives since last Easter. Happy, says the psalmist, joy. Because the gospel truth is this, buried beneath the ashes and the dust of this season, here's the gospel truth. You and I were made for life, not for death. In the beginning, God formed us out of the dust of the earth and breathed into us the breath of life. And that was not a temporary experiment. That was an eternal promise. God saying that I have made you for life. And God will not stop until we are fully alive. Happy. Joy. It's amazing how quickly we church folks convert that. We baptize our misery as though it's somehow sanctified by God's presence. Well, I don't know. I got to go to church. I got to serve on a committee. I got to try and pray. I got to try and read my Bible. Notice how little that looks like Jesus. This rabbi is sort of mysteriously, indefatigably joyful. That's the one thing we kept accusing him of, right? All the accusations thrown at him were, hey, he's a glutton and a drunkard. He's too happy to be religious. Don't follow that guy. Why why do you and your disciples look so happy, Jesus? Why aren't you more miserable like John and his disciples? Here's why. The rabbi that we're following into this Lenten journey is one who is continually dismantling death and destruction. And y'all, we were made for that. And you can't join that work without a smile. 
there's something about us that comes alive when we find out that we were made to join God in servicing life and not death. Happy, says the psalmist, joy. You cannot engage in dismantling systems of economic oppression without joy bursting in your bones. Ask Zacchaeus. You can't let aside, leave aside those systems of destruction of self-loathing and hatred without somehow a smile coming across your face. Ask the woman at the well. You can't reconcile with those who you have made your enemies without laughter bursting out. Ask Paul. Joy, says the psalmist. Happy, says our song today. Now, it's worth a quick aside in this homiletical ode to joy uh, to note what we're not talking about because there's enough misinformation about what joy is uh, that it might be worth clarifying. When the psalmist is singing about happiness and joy, the psalmist is not singing about an absence of suffering. This is not some sort of Osteen sermon that says that you get it right when suffering is lifted from your life. This psalm was penned in the darkest moment of the psalmist's life. He's not singing because suffering has been removed, but because God's joy is carrying him through. This joy is not an absence of suffering on the one hand, and it's also not just a pursuit of pleasure on the other. The psalmist isn't singing because he's found some sort of product that's worth putting on his Instagram. The psalmist is not singing because he's had an experience that somehow gave him a moment of fleeting happiness. Those things are temporary. This psalmist is tapped into the eternal work of serving life alongside the God of life. It started in Genesis, it continued in Jesus, it's promised in Revelation. This work is eternal, not fleeting. It's not a pleasure that's gone today, or here today and gone tomorrow. This joy is deep. It's bedrock. Happy, says the psalmist. Joy. Dismantling death and decay, laying aside the things that are killing us. That's the work of Lent. That kind of happiness, that kind of joy, y'all, it will bring down even governments. Ask F.W. de Klerk. He was the president of the apartheid government in South Africa. In his autobiography, he writes about kind of watching this thing that he had given his life to disintegrate around him. And the one thing that he points to as being the most annoying in him trying to hold up apartheid was this one simple thing. It was Desmond Tutu's smile. You ever seen pictures of Desmond Tutu? He's always smiling. <laughs> the clerk said he was always smiling even at the negotiating tables. It was the most annoying thing he could imagine until finally, like, they would be, uh, you know, negotiating over something intense and hard, and Bishop Tutu would start laughing. The clerk in his autobiography finally says that he confronts him, and this is the moment that the clerk said that he knew everything was changing, including himself. He asked Bishop Tutu why he was always smiling, and Bishop Tutu said this, because, my friend, I know how this ends. 
knowing how this story ends allows us to engage in the Lenten journey of dismantling death and destruction with joy, with happiness. Remembering where we are headed allows us to lay down the tools of death with joy because we are given better tools of life. So I know this is heresy. Nobody call my professors. I'm not supposed to talk about Easter until Easter because it's Lent. But here's the deal. For us to move into life, let's remember the end. Let's remember that what happens at the end is this conversion where we convert from being servants of death to being servants of life. That's why our confession ends with this phrase. Free us for joyful obedience. Here's the truth. We will obey something. And the Easter story is that God is saving us from being obedient to death. And those who've gone before us are those first women who took that Lenten journey on that Easter morning, who carried with them tools to serve death. They got up early in the morning because death demanded it. They had perfume and oil to serve a corpse. They walked in silence towards the heavy stone. And then God. The risen Christ meets them. And suddenly these tools that they had been carrying are useless. And so they lay down the things that service death. And they're commissioned into a new way of serving life. They're commissioned to go and proclaim good news and joy and community and new life to all. That is Lent. Now here's the thing. I I don't know what tools of death you carried in here today. I don't know what practices you might have been participating in at your office or at your house or in your relationships that service death. I don't know what you carried in that's killing you. But I do know that God will not allow you to carry those things out. task is to lay down those things that that are killing us. You don't need them anymore. Not in this new creation. And here's why I love Lent, because Lent is usually marked by silence. My friends will tell you that I love silence. Despite my talking all the time, I love silence. So I want us to engage in that Lenten discipline this morning. I want us to practice three minutes of silence. And here's all I want you to be contemplating in those three minutes. What do you have to lay down that's killing you? A posture towards someone else? A practice you've built your life on? An internal narrative about who you are? You might need to take notes on your phone. You might need to write down notes on a card. You might just need to sit in silence and allow God's spirit to tell you what you're called to lay down today. Here's the truth. That pile that started at the empty tomb, it's grown into a mountain where saints have laid down tools of death 
that they might pick up tools of life. I pray that you add to that mountain today. In these three minutes, I pray that God reveals to you something you're called to lay down in this Lent. And I pray that as you do, you with the psalmist would be happy. Joy. Happy Lent, y'all.